0: Hi everybody. Welcome back to the business of business podcast Two daughters and their dad. I am your host Stacy J Dempsey and the J is very important because it does bring the joy I have with me as always the other daughter and the dad Jennifer Dempsey, Jack Dempsey. Say hello to everyone. Hi guys. How are you? All right. Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. All right. So yeah. So, well, let's just make sure that we let everyone know that um, we are practicing social distancing. So, we are none of us are in the same room. We are actually, I think, technically in different states. Um, So, we are recording this podcast um, with the help of some wonderful technology that is much different than what we are used to using to record our podcast. So. Uh, We hope that all of our listeners will be super understanding um, if we um, have just a little bit of a hiccup. But nevertheless, today on our podcast, we are very, very excited and very grateful to have our second guest, our very first female guest, who is a mom, a wife, an entrepreneur, um she is someone that i have technically known for many years she has worn many hats in those years that i have had the pleasure of knowing her we have with us today misty solomon owner of devour desserts misty welcome to our podcast thank you so much i'm excited to be here well we are very excited to have you as we uh before we hit record we were having some good conversation and uh sharing with Misty how we have, um, come to her shop many a times, enjoyed many of her desserts. Um, and, um, so we, um, we're just, just, super happy and super excited, um, to, you know, have you included in our podcast today. So thank you for taking the time out because even though we are in the midst of life looking a little bit different than what we're accustomed to, uh, life is still busy, right? Very. Yeah. So I haven't stopped. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what you were uh, mentioning right before we, we started um started talking was that uh even though we're living through COVID nineteen right now, um work is still moving along pretty well for you. Or pretty busy, I should say.
1: Yes. Yeah, and well, really. I can't I can't complain at all. Um, you know, I'm in a unique position that I'm a I'm an essential worker uh and my business is essential because it's food related. So, er, you know, early on, we had a little bit of a pushback from some people that, you know, th- thought it's strange for a dessert shop to be open. Also, I heard people complaining about like Rita's Water Ice was open, but I'm really glad that, you know, we we made the decision to just stay. Uh, we were the very first business, I believe, in Gloucester County to close our storefront to the public. So we had done that in advance of, uh, you know, the state's recommendation or really requirement that you shut your storefront down um, and that we, you know, have had curbside pickup exclusively for the first six weeks. We just reopened the last weekend.
0: Right, right. That's excellent. Well, um, I definitely want to talk to you about how you've kind of, you know, changed your business model just a little bit to, you know, kind of conform to what COVID-19 is setting forth for all of us. But I really want to start kind of towards your very beginning of, um, Devour Desserts, which, um, you know, you've always done, but you had kind of had like a main, uh, like a primary job before that. So can you yeah. talk to us a little bit about like where you were in that and then doing Devour out of your home and maybe how you decided to take it from out of your home to I'm going to go get a storefront. I'm going to get people. I'm going to, like, I'm just going to do it.
1: I will try to condense this hour story into the (laughs) shortest one possible. But yes, basically, I started my career in direct sales. I was with a company called Tastefully Simple uh, for over 11 years. I ran a multi million dollar team, uh, had hundreds of consultants on my team all over the really tri state area and also all in different parts of the country as well. Did really well with that. I was just, Ready to move on, so I left that business, joined another direct sales company. Um, and in the midst of that, in between, really while I was still doing Tastefully really Simple, I always sent gifts to my leaders. I had a lot of high level leaders that you know made me a lot of money, so I would send them gifts if they had a promotion or a death in the family or just anything. And I always sent them edible arrangements, it was my go to. And towards the end of my time, it's usually simple. I was really just getting irritated that first of all, if I was spending $150, not everything was dipped in chocolate. I thought that was absurd. I didn't <laughs> really understand the point of it. Right. And, um, so I just thought like I could, I, this, they're underserving their customer basically is where I was coming from. So, uh, at some point in time, my husband needed to get for clients. He was like, Hey, can you order me one of those arrangements? And I said, you know what? Like I've got some time. Let me just play with you know chocolate and fruit and see what I can come up with so I spent the entire night everything that I could find in chocolate sent him on his way his customers loved it and I was like oh well that was fun and I could get better at it um you know I was raised in the chocolate industry my dad Works for a company that imports cocoa beans and has ever since I was a a child. Um, So I was kind of, you know, just naturally, oh, he would bring home 30 pound blocks of chocolate. And I, you know, was really had free reign of my kitchen when I was a child. Like I had, there were no rules or restrictions on what time of, you know, day I could bake cookies at two o'clock in the morning if I wanted. Um, So I was really just always loving to make things, you know, it was just always fun. So I made him that. They loved it. And I thought I could get better at it. So I just did. I just started to play with fruit and chocolate and dipping things at home and started to make some platters. It was the beginning of Facebook. So, um, you know, people were ordering things, but it wasn't like, it was never my intention to start a business when I did that.
2: Wow. Let me
1: ask you, Missy, I
2: know that you said you've, you've been in different businesses have you always had a desire to be an entrepreneur?
1: Uh, yes, yes, for sure. I don't like people telling me what to do is probably <laughs> the main reason. Um, I always think I can do things better than everyone else. So it really is just, a, you know, puts me in a position that's just a natural.
0: And so what did you, so, I mean, if you, so my understanding, of you know the direct sales is that you know having a hundred or so consultants that are working with you, you know, side by side and underneath you and things like that, I mean, it would lead me to believe that you're making some decent money. If, well, I mean, uh, no, I
1: don't think there was ever a year where I made more than thirty five thousand dollars. Um, in my actual like commission from my team sales, which really, if you're having a sale, a team that sells over a million dollars every single year, that's insane. Um, Um, you know, and that was a lot of work, but, but it was a really great building block for me to learn how to run my own business and run my own team and, you know, be a leader of people. And they had very high level, uh, business mentoring. That they would bring in these top-notch companies and put a, take us away for three, four-day retreats and and teach us. So it was a great experience for me outside of the money.
0: Gotcha. And so I'm glad you shared that because that was going to be my next question. Was uh, besides the money, what were you know kind of what were the, the things that being in that direct sales kind of taught you? And it sounds like it really gave you a good foundation of let me let let me absorb all of these things, let me practice all these things and so then when was like you know when was the moment that you decided to you know, it sounds like you, you grew up with the chocolate, you like to create things. And so then you just continued that on into your adult life. And while you were doing tastefully simple and
1: yeah. Yeah. Cause it was very food related. So the transition to devour mm-hmm. out of my home was not that far of a stretch. And once I started posting, people started ordering, like it came on really quickly. Uh, so it was an easy transition for me to just add it on as a side hustle. It wasn't like, I was still at tastely simple. I was still doing, I was really losing my passion at that point. And gotcha. uh, then I joined another direct sales company and still was, you know, kind of doing devour, but I was at that time, uh, like a health nutrition coach selling diet shakes and also making dessert, uh, you know, on the side, but I really needed the diet shakes because <laughs> I ate way too much dessert. So I did that for a little while, but I will say that the transition really came after I left the diet, the, the diet, um, you know, nutrition company, I went to work as a, I started to sell security systems and alarms. Uh, I did that for a little over a year. It was a completely new direction for me, but I was I'm a natural salesperson, so it was a good fit. And I was with them for probably over a year. Long story short, I got sent on a commercial uh, project that was way outside of my league. knew that I could win it, win the bid, and went back to my company and said, "Listen, I know I'm new." but there's a lot of people here that will help me. I think I let me run point on this. I think I can get this account. So they were like, absolutely go and do it. They let me run (laughs) point on this account. I got the account. I worked on it for seven months. And then when it came time for the commissions, they were short tens of tens of thousands of dollars that they had decided two days before Christmas, that they were not going to pay me the full commission and just never told me. And also that they had helped me bid the job incorrectly. So the, (laughs) so the commission was was closer to two thousand dollars instead of being over twenty thousand dollars so that was a real blow to me however it was the best thing that could have happened because i would i had just signed a lease for devour in the midst of all of all of the rumblings of that but my intention was never to open like a a store i just wanted a, a place to get a kitchen outside of my house because my dog was such a jerk that she was like trying to bite people off. that came to my house. So when that shift happened and that, you know, occurred and listen, I cried for an entire day. And then Mm. the next day I just picked myself back up and thought, this is, you've been building other people's brands your whole entire life. You already signed a lease on this store. What are you going to really like work two days a week at this store and continue to work for this company that obviously does not care about you at all. Um, And it was, you know, no hard feelings, you know, like, I'll I'll get that money back, you know, tenfold in the future. Uh, And I just cut my losses left and, you know, went on the journey of how am I, how now am I going to pay for the storefront since I have, I don't have the $20,000 in commission that I thought I was going to have to open it.
0: Right, right. Well, let me stop you right there because we definitely want to know how you got the money to open that storefront since you just signed the lease, but we're going to take a moment just to hear uh, quickly from our sponsors.
2: Dempsey Weiss & Associates Insurance, located in Elmer, New Jersey, is a multi-line insurance agency successfully meeting the insurance and financial needs of business owners and individuals in New Jersey and Pennsylvania since 1989. J-Faith Hair Studio, located just minutes outside of Philadelphia, is the place to go to become the best version of yourself.
3: You know, there's already been three very valuable uh, lessons that Misty has shared with everybody, and I don't want us to lose sight of them.
2: Before I share
3: those three, I, I do also want to say it was one of the greatest days in the history of civilization when they called chocolate good for you. (laughs) <laughs> right. it, it had chocolate has medicinal properties to it so that was a great day when they they said that so um, but the three things was she talked about underserving clients how she had noticed there was another business that was underserving their client so that's a very important thing for uh, people who are looking for entrepreneur opportunities to grab hold of because one of the things that when people say, I'd love to have my own business or be an entrepreneur, you know, and maybe you don't have a particular direction, begin to put your antennas up for businesses that are underserving their client because that can be a great opportunity, especially for businesses that have maybe grown in size, and now are focusing more on volume than on, you know, client relationships or certain customer service so um that you know because what you want to look for is that gap a lot of businesses are born out of that gap whether it be you know something that's not you know a, a group of people that aren't being served at all or somebody that's being underserved so that would be one the second one was misty's story about when she's working for direct sales it wasn't She was working very hard, uh, maybe not making as much money as she thought, but the building block. She saw it. this was a building block for something in the future. This was helping me build entrepreneur skills, business skills, leadership skills, uh, how to run a team. Um, So she recognized that this was just another step in that journey of being an entrepreneur. Again, very, very important. So for those people out there who are in a situation where you're a bit frustrated, you know, take that step back and say, okay, but what am I learning right now? What, you know, I might not be making the money I want to make, or there may be some other frustrations, but find what is what you are benefiting from. And there'll be a time when you're going to be able to use that, you know, for something that is more of a passion. And then the third one was taking a setback. You know, a real setback um, and turning it into a positive. You know, looking at saying, hey, you know, I really got treated poorly in this situation where I was expecting a big commission, didn't get it, but now it was the best thing that ever happened to me because now I could really devote my full energy. So, again, a third principle there is, and we've talked about this before, is there's there's a benefit in a setback. There's a benefit in an obstacle that you have to overcome. Um, you just have to be uh, like Misty and be able to have the ability to see that and use that as a fuel, you know, for that next opportunity. So again, very three very important uh, entrepreneurial principles already in what Misty awesome. shared. So thank you, Misty. Very good. Yeah, and I
0: and it's uh, it's. I think it's um I feel a lot of uh motivation and it's like I took the day and cried about it. <laughs> and then tomorrow and then I got up tomorrow and said, All right, I'm gonna figure it out because I think that you yeah. know, including myself, I see myself in that. I've been there where it's like this is like I feel like my soul is crushed. So yeah, I mean you have to take this the time. Moment.
1: You gotta take the time to like feel those emotions. You can't just ignore it.
0: That's right. Right. Right, and so I've I've been in those moments where it's like I feel defeated and crushed, and like my time has been wasted, and I just need to ball my eyeballs out, and then I have to get up and go do it. I got to go do go yeah. pick myself up. So I think that's a, new a an excellent Take a
1: step in a new direction.
0: New direction. So what? So you balled your eyeballs out. You picked yourself up. You went and you had the lease signed. And so what were the next steps? What were you
1: thinking? The next steps were me really understanding how much it was going to cost to open a business. Because in my mind, on my little piece of paper that I had drawn drawn out, I had predicted that 20,000 would be more than enough. And that was incorrect. Because (laughs) I had to build, you know, a kitchen that needed seven sinks and the whole build out cost me $45,000 to get the store up and running, which a lot of people, you know, would not expect that a small 1200 square foot shop would cost that much money, you know, to open. So it was that was definitely me, a challenge. Did
2: you, did you have the cash up front or did oh. you have to take a loan or how did that work out for you?
1: Great question. So I didn't, I had no, I did not have cash up front. I like I had, I um, was really planning on using the 20 grand and and I figured I could, you know, just figure out the rest. I'm really, I'm a jump first figure it all out later kind of girl. So no, this sounds hokey and it sounds completely ridiculous, but I was working with a life coach at the time and she was like, you know, it was very, very much embedded in us at like post-it notes and, you know, affirmations. So I put a post-it note in my uh, dash of my car that said 45 K uh and I just every time we get in my car I'd be like, Oh my god, I'm so glad that I had this forty five thousand dollars that I needed. And I just it was a part of my every time I got in the car, I would say that out loud. I was it was just repetition and <laughs> I I mean, like I borrowed like $10,000 from my parents and my in-laws and uh, $5,000 from someplace else. And I was at some, I think I had 5,000 of my own money and I was short this $25,000 and I really did not know how I was going to get it. And it was to the point where I was the construction, like I had to have more money because the construction, it was either like a, there was a a point where I was like, I have either wasted over 20, you know, $20,000 building this space out for nothing, or I'm going to find this other $25,000. At the time I had, there was an investor that was, um, had said that he was interested early on and then was just dragging his feet and like not responding. So I, I, once again, like had a complete breakdown and was just in this place where it's like, do I pump the brakes or is this a gas pedal moment? You know what I mean? And I was like, I woke up the next morning with clarity and was like, "It's this is gas pedal." So I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And that night, he called me and was like, "I've got your twenty five thousand dollars check." I was like, "Okay,
2: wow. <laughs> yeah." Wow, yeah. Meant to be—that's what we call yes. it. Meant to. Yep. Be. Who else has
0: goosebumps right now? <laughs> I totally hey. do. Hey, I, can totally I have goosebumps. Relate.
2: I can totally relate.
0: And yeah, Janet, and there's
2: we something need so to... magical about this story. Like I'm just living for this story because i think only an entrepreneur or someone who really really is passionate about doing something can relate to that story like no matter what i was the same way in my business you know i will take out every credit card i have to like there it's we will do what we have to do to get $25,000 and that's and that's just amazing because there's well, a lot of people that are scared to do that or even to think that that's even capable or of, to of ask that. or the
1: asking, you know what I mean? Like there was a point where I had to go back to my dad and ask for another $5,000. I think that was the gap in between getting the 25,000 and I did not want to do that. I did not want to go back to him and ask him yeah. for more money. So, and of course he easily, he was like, of course, like he just gave it to me. I was making a big deal out of nothing, but, um, it was definitely the asking. Sometimes the asking is the hardest part.
0: Right, Absolutely. right. Well, and we need to. We need to also write down this quote of: "Is this a? Is this a pump the gas? Well, how did you say? It? Is this a
1: pump, pump on the brakes?
0: The brakes yeah, or is brakes this a step on our th- gas pedal moment? Gas pedal moment. <laughs> Nugget alert.
1: Nugget
2: alert. Nugget alert. Nugget
0: alert. alert. <laughs> Nugget alert. Man, so good. Love it. Well, and we have. You know, we have. You know, talked about on this podcast about. You know ways to find money um, when you want to start your own business, and part of that is living lean. You know, we cut back our expenses, we save what we're, you know, what we're, what we have, what we need. We go to family members and pitch the vision to them. So as you mentioned, Misty, like, you know, here I got to go back and ask my dad for something. I'm making a big deal out of nothing, but in my mind, I can see you saying, "This is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to work out." And just really like, there's here's the vision, and Dad said. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, going and borrowing the money, finding an investor. I mean, you kind of like hit all the points that we talked about in another episode of you gotta go down all your avenues. Yeah. You gotta sell your vision. People have to see it. And obviously it, it's worked out. Um, you know, it worked out for yeah, you. and him. He, he he's an
1: investor. He's an investor to this day. Like any time, I have a project that's going on. Like he is an ongoing investor um, and also a mentor, you know, like he said, he owns a, a rather look, rather. He has a huge um, company in the city that where they, you know, create the infrastructure for highways. Um, so it's, it's fabulous having him in my corner.
3: Yeah. Just one again, just some great, uh, great points here. I mean, I don't want to pass over you know, having a business coach. I mean, that is a, again, just a great uh, investment of uh, resources to have someone who, you know, can hold you accountable. I mean, a big, the big benefit of uh, having a business coach is that accountability, you know, of, you know, saying, hey, you know, declare these things declare $45,000 that's what you need you know put, put that vision up put those post it notes up. I mean having someone you know just uh, uh, really invest in you that way is, is a really important part of this. Um, so we've heard business coach we've heard Misty say mentor again mentor is very important having a because those can be two different things you know, having a business coaching, having a mentor can be two different things and should be two different really, um, types of, uh, investments, you know, into you. Um, so that's, that's really, uh, great that you, you did that. And then, like we said, having those different ways of finding money to, you know, start your business and it all starts with that vision. And, you know, so, you know, I know, um, You know, my kids, Misty, anytime, you know, they they know they can come to me, but they know they need to come to me with a a plan. They need to, you know, don't come to me and say, dad, I need money. Come to me and say, dad, you know, I have this idea. I have this, you know, vision. And then, you know, sell me on that, you know? And so that's critical for entrepreneurs to really be able to go out there. Because if you have that vision, and you're passionate about it. You'll, you know, you'll find people that will will buy into your passion. That's for sure. So yeah. very good, good awesome. stuff, Misty. Thank you.
0: And Misty has a very strong customer base. I mean, just like the Facebook alone is like they are unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable yeah so I mean you've opened up your storefront I mean and it's it it seems like from what I could tell that you know people that were buying um you know things from when you were making them into your kitchen now you've opened your storefront and um I yeah if I I remember correctly
1: yeah
0: right if I remember correctly I feel like maybe you won best of Gloucester County like bakery or dessert Please. shop before you were even open? Am I like before your yeah, storefront was then, open?
1: Yeah, you're right. Cause I was running Devour out of my house for four years before I opened the storefront and I was super active on social media. Don't ask me how, I mean, I was running this business illegally out of my kitchen and I was all over the internet. I don't know how they never picked up on me or, or targeted me. I'm really not sure, but <laughs> I'm glad that they didn't. Um, so yeah. So when I, you know, had the store, storefront they were they started doing the contest and i called them and said if i have a storefront and i have a business even though if, I, if i'm not open yet am i eligible and he was like absolutely so i was like all right let's do this thing so my customers but you know they voted and we've won five years in a row
0: but yeah, so you want best of Gloucester we county before your storefront was even technically <laughs> open to the public obscene and, yeah <laughs> Well I think it's but it's also a testimony of you know earlier you mentioned you saw where you know clients were underserved customers were underserved obviously you have a customer base that is just they are ride or die they are devour misty which is amazing <laughs> what do you think what do you think contributes to you Ooh. know to that besides obviously the the, the desserts are outstanding like uh, the desserts you know, it's. I mean, you made my daughter's. Um, you know, when we were gonna find out if she, if my first child was a boy or a girl, like the you made that shade. cake that yeah. we cut. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like so there is. You know, what do you think contributes to? Obviously, besides the desserts being amazing. Yeah. What do you think contributes to the customer base?
1: Oh, uh, that's a really great question. I don't know. Um, I think maybe I'm just relatable. You know, uh, I feel like people that talk to me can sense that I am always who I say I am. <laughs> like I am never <laughs> going to be somebody different. I'm going to tell you the highs. I'm going to tell you the lows. If I've got something going on, uh, you know, I'm going to keep keep them informed via Facebook and entertainment, you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm entertaining. I'm good at writing copy. I don't know. I just have a, a natural connection with my customers that is you know i am as ferociously um you know in their corner as they are in
0: mine
1: 100% and not
0: going to learn
3: not going to learn
0: not going to learn <laughs> <laughs> well, and i think that you also have a way of taking maybe some things that could be construed as negative and making them a positive which is another attribute of really you need to you really need to embrace as an entrepreneur because um you have taken some negative facebook comments um or or reviews i should say mm-hmm. um which you know like in our world it's like you know oh god we don't want a negative review on our facebook like we don't want a one star review because like you know we just take it so it, it take it so harshly and you have taken negative comments or feedback or you know what what have you and turned it around to actually not only be entertaining but profitable right because we got a a negative comment about one of our cakes and i feel like you named it after the woman that left the comment i did
1: yeah so i will say that when i worked for the security company i ran their, i did their um you know their facebook and they would always get upset if they were getting a terrible review or if somebody was saying something bad and they would automatically want to delete it. And I would always be like, no, like don't delete it. Because listen, if somebody's a jerk off, right? Like am I allowed to say jerk off? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> if somebody is, then all of their friends already know that they're a jerk, right? They already know. So by this cut co- person commenting, he's just opening you up to 50 more people that would not have even seen your brand to begin with. And his friends already know about him. They're not worried about what he's saying. They're just having the visibility, you know, which is is I think what some people don't understand. Um, And I get it. It's painful. Like it is a punch in the gut when someone gives you a review like that. If it's a valid review and I have done something that's incorrect or, you know, Listen, I'm going to bend over backwards to make it right. I will legit, like, drive to the store, bake you a cake, and drive it to your house at 6 o'clock at night. Like, seriously, that's right. <laughs> the level of service that I provide. But if it's a, you know, um, a nonsense review, then I just don't have any time for it. And I will um, have a lot of fun at your expense. Yeah, so the <laughs> we just ran a special called um, Frida Hates Our Strawberry Shortcake it was a two day special someone had uh, you know gave us a d- does not recommend my bakery because the strawberry shortcake was ugly um which is it's basically like cake with whipped cream and strawberries piled on top in a heap like it was right. it's phenomenal it's it's so good but she hated it so and i thought it was ridiculous so i remember i'm in the supermarket and I'm walking past a you know a flat of strawberries which i buy flats of strawberries on the daily it's not abnormal and i just thought Frida hates our strawberry shortcake, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man! Like, should I even do this? Like, ha- like is like, can I be that person that like runs a special like this?" So I thought about it for a couple days. Um, talked to which I normally don't do, but I did reach out to my business coach and thought, "Like, is this more of like my concern was, am I drawing, am I bringing in negative energy by running a special like this?" So I was very, um, you know, careful the boundaries that I was going to cross with that because I didn't want to necessarily then also have a flood of people complaining about my product and you have to be careful in that right. respect. Right. Um, but I, you know, decided to do it. I ran this two day special and we sold a hundred strawberry shortcakes in two days. So I was laughing all the way to the bank with like 538 likes, hundreds of comments, 28 shares. I still have people stopping me in the supermarket to tell me that they think it's so funny when I rip people to shreds (laughs) in the nicest bless your heart kind of (laughs) way
0: yeah no it was uh it was like you said it was like you know it there was almost like like good for you good for you because you know like you said if there's a valid concern in your business that you did something wrong you know most most entrepreneurs and most people, at least that are in our circle that are running businesses, they're going to want to make it right. They don't want someone to be left with a negative feeling about their service, their product, their experience. But when it's just outside of like, you're just not even yeah. re- first world re- world only being reasonable, like, right? Like, like you're not your even first being reasonable. World
1: problems. Your cake's not your strawberry shortcake <laughs> isn't freaking off. Like stop, stop. Right,
0: right and so to turn that into a all right you know what like this is not even a valid issue but let's let's have some fun with it let's figure out a way of even oh, they like loved you said, it loved they have so it. much
1: fun the customers i mean they were like they were messaging me that they were like in bed laughing their heads off with their husbands you know what i mean like you brought everyone such joy so yes. <laughs> thank you frida thank you yeah. for your negative review yes
3: that's right <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's a great story. I, I, I want to make sure we cover a couple things um, before we Absolutely. run out of time. Um, one is um, again, just going back to the social media, Misty. So, what would be you know one or two things that you would recommend entrepreneurs you know do with their social media? What what do you find to be the most important? or top two things to make your social media the most effective for your business? Mm.
1: Uh, Well, I would say, Oh, that's a great question. Uh, Jack, you got me stumped on this one. Um, I, I mean, in terms of like reviews, I would say, you know, definitely focus on the positive ones. Um, And I will give you another nugget that doesn't come from me. And it comes from Anthony Marino, who owns Marino's uh, Pizzeria in Mullica Hill. And that was that whenever you get a complaint, there is always a thread of truth in it somewhere that you need to be paying attention to, Um, which has been been good for me because it allows me to kind of take a step back and not take things so personally. Um, So that would be my recommendation around that.
3: So how about, um, so do you make sure on your social media that you are doing something every day?
1: No, I really don't. I mean, I try to post a lot, but I'm super ADD. I am all over the place. So I can sometimes not even keep up with myself. Um, so I try like if it's my business is easy, right? Like I have beautiful cakes and desserts to take pictures of. It's really easy. For me to take pictures and engage my customers where I can't necessarily say that advice would, would follow the same suit for anyone in any business, if that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, that does But we applause. can all
2: agree that social media is super important in any business. And I think that that is really the, the key is if you are an entrepreneur, if you have a business, social media has to play a huge role in that.
0: Well, and I think the other thing that, you know, what maybe um, Misty isn't taking credit for is that, yes, you can post beautiful pictures of desserts, but you also engage with your customer base and say, Hey, if I did something like this, what do you think about it? You know, like you did a mother's day special of, I forget what it was called. Uh, um, like the cheese. Yes, yeah. Thank you. So like, I remember, you know, you saying like, if I did this at this price with these things, would you guys want to do it? And it was like a hundred comments. People were like, I'll I'll come pick it up that Sunday. I want to, you know, like people were placing, you know, but I feel like you also engage with like if I did this or, Hey, I thought this was funny. Like you just kind of like put out there into the world, like, Hey, I saw this. I thought this was hilarious and people comment or so it's not just like, you know, what you are particularly selling, but it's, it's really like you are the brand. You are like, how you operate, who you are as a person—you're constantly putting that out on social media. And again, I think that's what people are—you know—part of what people are drawn to. Like, dang, I just really like Misty. Like, I don't get to see her very much, I don't, but I just really like her. And then she has these bomb desserts, and she's just like, she's just out here like doing her thing, and it's just something very admirable and respectable. And like you so said, people, you know, see themselves in you. So I think that's the other when you talk about social media jack is that it's not just the service or the product it's the engaging of the clients and the customers that's good
3: yeah i mean I like that that's that's a great idea misty you're almost doing like a market you know market survey using social media so that's good the second thing i wanted to talk about was opening a second location so what how did that come about
1: jennifer's gonna love this um give it to <laughs> so me that was that was another like i was bursting at the seams on holidays like the holidays we were just we, i have a 200 square foot kitchen in my location in mantua uh we just couldn't you know people wanted cake first they wanted cupcakes um so we you know started baking cupcakes out of the store but it, we just didn't have any room and the the holidays were just, I mean, like, I didn't know how I was going to get through one more holiday in, with, with the manufacturing space that I had at the store. So I, um, you know, so I started to think about opening a second location. I'm going to say, I want to get my timeline li- right here in August. In August, I started to journal about, you know, what that would look like. which just drew a picture of like, what would, if I had this space, what would it look like? What would I want to do in it? Like what, what, what things would we be performing here? What highlights am I not having in this mantra store that I'd like to have there? And I just drew it out and started to, you know, scout out places. I was, I thought maybe Glassboro would be a, you know, a location. So I, you know, found a realtor and started to look at at places. This is like, I'm thinking it's gonna take me 18 months, right? Like in my mind, I'm right, I'm jotting all this down for like an eighteen month projection. And very quickly in September, uh, one of my vendors reached out to me. They had a location in um well, their only storefront was in Aston. It was called Viso's Italian Desserts. I bought their cannoli from them. He's a older old Italian part of the Termini family had this bang in cannoli that I didn't know how to make it. He made his own shells, So, you know, I sold their product and she reached out to me and said, we're closing the store and do you want to come take a look at it? So I was like, okay. I had been in their like bakery storefront before, but I had never like toured the entire building. And I went over and when I walked through, I was flabbergasted because it was everything that I had drawn in my, like everything that was in my picture was this place. So it was, I operate from a very guttural uh, space, right? So if something feels right for me, then I do it. Even if it doesn't make any sense on paper, even if it, you know what I mean? Like I have all of these objections, even if the people around me are like what are you crazy? If it feels right, I have to do it. Like there's just not another option for me. So I remember going home and you know my husband is, was so patient with me for you know like I really when I was running devour jennifer probably knows i i don't want to put myself in your position but it's not like you're making a million dollars right like you're working a lot and you're reinvesting in your company and you're reinvesting in your business and it doesn't necessarily matter if your price point is really high you're you're in it you're investing your time and energy to build this thing right and it's not necessarily about money so i had just at that time started to take a paycheck in Mantua, wow. and here I am telling my husband that I'm going to open up another store and basically put myself back in the same position. Um, but wow. I just knew that I knew it was right, and I remember saying to him, "Like, listen, <laughs> like, I know this sounds crazy, but I just know that I'm supposed to do it. I just know I'm supposed to do it." And he was like, "Okay, well then, you know, do it," um, and see, everything happened much the same that it did the first time, where everything just fell into place as it should um, because it was right because it was the right thing wow
3: well yeah i mean that's uh, because that's one of the things that can be a challenge for some businesses they can you know they they open up a business and in a particular location and things really are going well and and they find okay well let me see i can let me go duplicate this you know in another town or you know two or three towns over that type of thing only to find that for whatever reason, demographics or whatever, the second location never seems to prove out. Oh, as yeah. Oh, as you're
1: as totally right, Jack. Because And I will say that that, that would uh, be true about my current model. Like my Mantua store outsells my Aston store threefold, at, at minimum threefold. However, I wouldn't be able to do the volume that I do in Mantua without the store in Aston because we do all of the baking there and we do all of the chocolate work in New Jersey and then we swap. So I wouldn't be able to hit the limit, you know, the maximum sales that I'm hitting in the Mantua store, if not for the Aston store. And that's, you know, M- Mantua definitely pays for Aston because it's not, it's not uh, self-sufficient on its own yet. However, we've only been there two years, you know, and I'm in, I've been in this business long enough to know that things really start to change between two year two and year three and year three and year four. And once people get to know that you're there and, you know, come to expect, um, you know, that they're going to get great dessert from you and they can trust you. It takes time.
3: Well, that's good because that's exactly right. I think in your case, number, again, yeah, really outstanding, um, you know, business points here. One is, was the journaling and kind of drawing it out, you know, yeah. um, and really putting it on paper. It is amazing when you put something on paper Uh, Whether it's writing out a vision or writing out your business plan, you know, rather than just having it rattling around in your brain all the time, getting it down on paper really does seem to be an accelerant, you know, for, you know, those things starting to happen. So that's great that you did that. and It's amazing, isn't it? How that second location just kind of fell in right almost to your vision. That you put on paper. That's 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 an amazing and and yeah,
1: and and like I had said, we were that was August. I started to have the idea, and we were open for business on December the tenth.
3: Wow, yeah, you know, and then again to recognize that you know this wasn't in your case just about duplicating your Mantua store. It was about being able to grow the brand in total because you needed that additional capacity to do that. So, uh, you know, because of having the Aston location, it seems like that gave you the capacity to to grow Mantua far more than you would have ever been able to do. So so that's some, that's some great, great insights. And the other, again, great lesson that you're, you're bringing up is that reinvesting. Again, we did a podcast on that, is how important it is for entrepreneurs to reinvest, and what we'll find many times, and, and you're a great example of how people, they they start that business and they're, and they're living lean, they're not taking a paycheck, Jennifer does know those days, uh, you're not taking a paycheck, all of a sudden you get your business to the point you can start taking some money, and boy, I tell you, that's where a lot of entrepreneurs make their mistake, because it's actually right at that point they need to do what you did, and that's reinvest to get that next level of growth. You have to make that investment, and it's tough because now you're feeling like, you know, I wouldn't mind taking some money because you know I wouldn't mind some lifestyle improvements over here, maybe, and and doing some things lifestyle-wise. But that can be a critical mistake for entrepreneurs to because once you start feeding money from your business over to the lifestyle side of the equation. It's tough to bring it back at that point. You know, it's tough to bring it back because you're, you know, you're making payments on, you know, the nicer car or the bigger house or the room addition or the new boat or whatever whatever that may be. And it's hard then to find the resources to reinvest. So congratulations and and great job to your husband for being supportive there for that too. that's, that's good stuff.
0: Well that's yeah that was going to be my the the next thing I wanted to just briefly ask you about because in the midst of all of this you have a you have a husband you have kids like you you know so um and I feel like I read a post probably many years ago that you wrote on Facebook about um you know you had written out what your goals were and and maybe this was for the direct sales maybe it was for devour but you had written out your goals and then you sat your family down and said, Hey, listen, kids and husband, this is the, these are the goals I have. This is what I need you to, this is how I need you to help me to get to those goals. And if we meet these goals, these are the things we get to do or the things we get to experience and and whatnot. And that was probably again, many, many years ago that I read that post that I still remember. And then you saying today, you know, going to my husband and saying, so I know I'm making some money now, but. I'm really not. I'm going go. <laughs> to go.
1: <laughs>
0: right. It's, uh, so how do you, you know, w- w- you know, how do you kind of balance all of that out? I mean, what kind of support do you get from your family? I mean, obviously you get a lot, but. What, I mean, I think what, it's a little
1: different for me because my kids are older, you know, like I have, my daughter is 20. My son is 19. I do have a 15 year old as well. So, you know, I, I really, don't have any space to talk about parenting because <laughs> there were really a couple years where I was completely absent and just so immersed in my business. And if I had it to do over again, I would definitely make a lot of changes uh, with how I, you know, like balanced my family into my work life because I am, I kind of feel like I'm a worker bee, right? Like I am naturally always moving at 150 miles an hour. Right. Um, so, you know. Uh, yeah. I I don't really have <laughs> much to say about how great of a parent I didn't really handle that all that well, but my kids are still alive. So yeah,
0: that's right. They're they're alive. they <laughs> look they're doing like all right.
1: Independent. I will say that that my children are crazy independent. They always have been.
0: Okay. Well, those are those are good attributes, especially in the world in which we <laughs> we're, we're living in. So that's no, that's good. I think but that, I think that's a challenge that we all face. You know, like right now, my children are very little and. They, it's like the blessing and the curse. They need me for everything. They need me to get the food, the juice, the diaper change, the clothes, the bath. That like they need me for every single thing. And I find myself saying, "Ah, if I can get them to be just a little more independent, then I'll have more time to do this. But then it's like, but then once they're independent, then they're independent. They're in there. You just
1: stop feeding them. That's all. (laughs) You just stop. Like Mike. Remember my girlfriend coming over when my son was like 18 months old, and he was standing on the kitchen counter getting cereal out of the cabinet for himself. And she was like, "What is happening here?" And I'm like, "This is my life. This is my kids. Like I could be dead in the corner of my house for a week, and my kids would function as normal." Like,
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Now that you say that, my kids do go in the refrigerator and take whatever they want, out. and I yip at them. I'm like, "Get out of my refrigerator! Get out!" <laughs> and I just need to be like, "Yes, get it." Do it. Just throw your trash away. I'll deal with the mess when you clean up. I'm going about this completely wrong. (laughs) And you know, so you know, kind of the last thing that we, um you know, we meant We've mentioned. You know, we're living in COVID nineteen right now, and business doesn't look her usual, her normal. But you know, that's a challenge. But that can also be some opportunities. How? Tell me how. I know that we had had a small. Facebook messenger exchange. Um, (laughs) I could be wrong. Maybe you were having a, just a small little freak out. Um, hopefully when we have those exchanges, I feel like most of the time, some of the time it's like, can they do that? Is it, is it legal? Do I have to do this? I'm like, well, the government can do that. I don't know if we have to follow it, but let's just breathe. Let's just take a moment. Let's just breathe (laughs) and figure it out. But, um, but so, tell me, kind of what have been the the, the opportunities that you have seen? Since yeah,
1: I mean, like I this. really um, just kind of took a step back when when everything was said and done, and I really kind of viewed everyone else as going into panic mode, which is so not my that is not a natural state for me. Um, even when things are completely chaotic, I kind of like. I don't know. I feel like I can hover above and see bigger picture. Um, so I wasn't panicked at all when all of this started to go down. I just was watching everyone else freak out and thinking these people are going to make all sorts of mistakes because they're panicking. And mm. I am staying in my lane and doing what I do. So it was for sure a transition. I don't know. Um, you know, we had, we, like I said earlier, we, had closed, we were the first ones to close the storefront before the, you know, restrictions had even come around. And I immediately switched my model to, you know, we opened up our online ordering so we could do a website and we started delivering, which is something that, you know, we didn't do before. So I really looked at as, as an opportunity to make the changes in my business that I was dragging my feet on changing. I was really resistant to, to, to slashing my menu. to like, My menu had gotten so expansive that it was overwhelming. Like it was just a nonstop constant you know rat race to get this menu done and I knew that I needed to, to slim it but I didn't know how I was going to do that and this just presented the perfect opportunity for me to you know take it take 10 steps back with my menu to just get smarter about the money that we were spending and, and how and what we were making and um and then also to add online ordering and add delivery and then in the meantime we had also started doing these kids in the kitchen kits So I run a program called kids in the kitchen. I have kids locally from ages seven to 13 come in and do classes in my kitchen with me. Um, it's usually very small scale, six to eight kids max. And those kids, uh, you know, I was just thinking about them, like, what are they going to have nothing to do, you know, at home. So I just put a kit together. I think the first kit that I did was like a cupcake decorating kit and, we sold a ton of them, so I' was like, okay well, this is what this is what the people want. you know it's really just finding what the people want at any given moment, and of course, during this crisis, that changed significantly, so they now they were looking for ways to entertain their children, so we have you know completely stepped into a new realm of a revenue stream uh in regards to these kids in the kitchen kits that we are putting out, and every single week we put it put out one to two kits um and yeah they've done really well for us you know, yeah i, I mean, it
3: really is amazing i again i again, another another uh, nugget alert i think this is our fourth nugget alert on this this episode but you know she uh, set a but, standard she yeah, set right. a standard for nugget <laughs>
0: alerts right.
3: i thought i was pretty good she's like me yeah. away but um, yeah uh, that staying in my la- understanding what your core business is and making sure that you stay in that but yet then you went on and you innovated by staying in your lane, you know, you're still all about fantastic desserts and high quality, we're still all about that, but now we got to figure out from an innovation standpoint, how do we do, how do we stay in our lane, but do it somewhat differently, you know, with the deliveries and the curbside, and I love that with the kids in the kitchen, I mean, that is, that is just really thinking outside the box, and that, and that's going to benefit you Significantly, just because again, that that's an investment back into your cl- customers. Really, is what that is because you know that there is a need there and there is something. So yeah, you know, really, really uh, fantastic, fantastic stuff, Misty.
1: Yeah, and I will say that that was scary. You know, it was doing the kids kits was scary because there was so much uncertainty about the virus that you know we were we were comp- you know had gloves and you know like everything we touched had gloves and we were constantly you know washing our hands but you know from from our from my place it was scary because i knew that they wanted it and i wanted to give them what they wanted but I also like god forbid someone in my store gets sick and then you know what i mean then that then the, then what happens after that so it was really kind of like I had to force myself to step outside of that fear that i had yeah. to be able to, to do that. Yeah. Continuously week after week, <laughs> because as yeah. the weeks went on, it got scarier and scarier. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah. As things kind of progressed, it was like, Oh my goodness, what in the world are we doing? Yeah. But I like, what I also like what you said that, you know, when things are in panic mode being able to kind of rise above that and have the bigger picture and say, you know what, we're not going to panic. We're not going to, you know, we're going to just kind of watch and see and take it step by step. I will say that that's definitely an attribute that Jack has as well, that people look to him that, you know, when all everything's going on, people look to him to say, all right, Jack, kind of tell us what we need to do and we'll follow suit. And, you know, Jack is always the even keel, always, okay, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. We're going to stay in business. We're going to, we're We're gonna move, we're gonna get through this just like we've gotten through other things. This just looks a little bit different. And so I think that is definitely like that is one thing that if you're gonna be in business to say, you gotta stay the even keel. You gotta be able to look above everything that's happening in the right here and the right now and look for the opportunities, look to stay calm because people will follow suit in that, you know. Like if Jack's freaking out (laughs) over here, I guarantee you. Every agent that looks to him is completely freaking out. And yeah. that just that doesn't serve anyone, that doesn't move anyone forward. Um so that was I, I like that word. You need to be able to look above all of that. Um I just go
3: home and freak out in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah, can, believe me, I still freak out, but I just don't just don't uh show in. It in public. Right, right. Yeah. Great this has been awesome. Yeah, this
0: has been wonderful. So I have one last question before we wrap things up. If you had any advice, Misty, to give, um, you know, any entrepreneur that's looking to start a business that's in their early years of business, um, what would be your ultimate piece of advice to anyone out there?
1: I am going to go rogue and say, stop listening to everyone else uh, because I feel like So many people are so influenced by other people's opinions about what they should be doing when no one has any insight into what you should be doing really, except for you. Like you have the ultimate knowledge about whether something's wrong or right. So
3: good. I agree. I agree.
0: We're on zoom right now. Nobody's going to be able to see, but I've got goosebumps (laughs) again. Okay. Got goosebumps again. Wonderful. Well, Missy, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, being a part of the podcast. Thank you for working through our slight technical difficulties in the beginning. Thank you for being a client. Um, You've probably, you hands down have been one of the most wonderful people for me to work with in my career. And I greatly appreciate your business, greatly appreciate, you know, um, just everything that you put out into the universe. I don't know if you remember, you used to teach a spin class at super fitness. Oh, I remember. girl um, I need
1: to get my ass back in the gym class. I'm
0: like up 20 pounds from this COVID stuff I'm out of uh, here. yeah this 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 uh COVID-19 situation is you know <laughs> affecting the waistline but it was so funny because it wasn't you but another instructor had missed their class and I was taking the class and so I was like well I have my my iPod okay let's talk about iPod so you know how many years yeah. ago it was. I've got my iPod so I'll teach the class and I wrote it on Facebook and you were like you were the one that taught this big class just randomly. And I was like, I did. I just taught this big class. Never done it in my life. But you totally. were like, that is so awesome. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you're you you like, that's something I would do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, God, oh, good stuff. All right. Well, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate each and every one of you. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Business to Business podcast, two daughters and their dad. And until we can be together again, everybody stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. We want to thank you for listening today. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a positive review. And we want to say thank you to our sponsors, Dempsey Ways & Associates and J Faith Hair Studio.